0: Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Going Afterthoughts. I'm your host, Amara, and I'm here with my husband and co host, Jason. What's up, y'all? I'm back. Hey, so if you guys joined us last week, then for the first episode of Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts, then you kind of know the vibe that we're kind of going for on this show. Um, We want to dive a little deeper into the episodes, talk a little bit about some of the things that we had questions about. I know Jason has questions. Um, I, I have questions. So, um, but also just kind of exploring more of the details of the show. So if this is the first afterthoughts that you listen to, go back to last week's episode that we did on Dana Chisholm, um, and then come back and join us for this week's episode. But this week, we had a really, really important story. Um, We told a story that is very recent. Um, Not even a year ago, Ella Goody went missing. And so this was a really important episode to explore, Uh, I thought that there were a lot of things that um, seemed obvious to me. And I'm kind of uh, shocked that, you know, there hasn't been more progress made in this case. If you listen to Ella's story, you probably feel the same way. um, Because there's just so many things that are just like, come on, like, this is, this seems obvious. This seems like it's easy to solve. So I am um, anxious to kind of explore this story and talk a little bit more about what I think and, and see what you think, Jay.
1: And we're anxious to hear what you think. <laughs> so let's start like this, like we did last week. Let's yeah. get into the episode yes. recap. Yes. All right. So um, Ella Goody, she was 33, disappeared from Scott, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. She was driving Lyft and was supposed to drive someone to Texas. She never came back. Yes. Never came back. So- <laughs> Dive into that for me.
0: Yeah, so um, Ella Goody was uh, living in Scott, Louisiana. Scott is in the parish of Lafayette in Louisiana. Um, And she was living there with her two daughters. She has two daughters. They were teenagers at the time. Um, Well, they're still teenagers. Teenage girls, as we're talking about, less than a year ago. Um, And Ella was looking for work. A friend of hers suggested that maybe she try rideshare, at first, she was a little apprehensive because she didn't want people getting in her car, which is completely understandable. But her friend kind of talked her into it and then she started doing it. And then actually, she started liking it. Um, and then she started offering rides to people outside of the app. Uh, on the day that Ella went missing, however, uh, she was supposed to, one of these situations where um, she was supposed to be taking someone uh, to Texas, Houston, Texas. Uh, And she left that morning, called her daughters, told them to get ready for school, uh, talked to her brother around noon, said she was getting gas. You know, everybody kind of knew she was on her way to Texas, but Ella never came back. Um, And so that's the kind of story of the initial disappearance of of Ella Goody. And so now here we are uh, 11, almost 11 months later, and Ella is still missing. But there's obviously way more to this story, and so we're going to get into those details, yeah. Ella started giving people rides, and it was something that, you know, like I said, at first she wasn't really into, and then she started getting into a little bit more. And uh, when I first read about the fact that, excuse me, that she was giving... um, rides to people outside of the app, you know, obviously I think immediately you're like, oh, that seems kind of dangerous. Like, but I always have to think about the fact that like, I live in a bigger city, right? I live in Philadelphia and there's certain things that you don't do in a bigger city that you might do in a smaller town. There's not as many people. There's more connections to people. Oh, that's such and such as cousin. Oh, you. And so when I thought about Ella in Scott, Louisiana, I figured, well, maybe that's why she just felt comfortable. I mean, it's she's not, you know, it's not New York City. You know, she's met these people through the app. Maybe she had given them a ride a few times, got comfortable with them, and then decided, hey, I could cut out the middleman. I can cut out Lyft and them, you know, you know, cutting my wages and taking half my money, and I can just kind of do this on my own. And so that's what I kind of Imagined, you know, Ella's thought process. Like, right, this is not a big city girl. This yeah. is a small town girl, and like, it's not,
1: a, and it's not a big deal. And it's not a know? big deal.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. And let's and just she do, had let's been, just do it. she yeah. had been doing it, you know, you know, however long, and had met people, and you know, because there's a conversation between her and her best friend Felicia where she's telling, you know, her about people that she's met while she's doing this, and so clearly, this is something that you know she wasn't just picking up strangers on the street. She was meeting people and then developing these relationships with them. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, you know, that, you know, I just wanted to give, you know, my biggest, one of my biggest takeaways from the whole story is like, you know, at the end of the day, I know, you know, Lyft has done some things. Uber has done some things to, um, you know, rectify the situation. They put out safety reports. You know, they let you know what's going on. Um but like I said, at the end of the day, anytime you're doing something where, you know, it's, it's people involved and, you know, people that you don't know and you're in private places and private situations, you know, that always gets weird. You know? mm-hmm. um,
0: now, I think it's important to also note the fact that, and I think I did mention this in the episode, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the episode, that Lyft said that at this point when this all happened, that Ella was actually suspended from using Lyft or from being a driver with Lyft. And so there's no further information. Her her family doesn't say anything about this. And so I wondered, had she been suspended because she had been giving these rides outside the app? And maybe the app had figured it out and was like, well, you're not going to cut us out. And so we're going to suspend you from driving. I don't know what would have been the cause for her to be suspended? Right. Um, so you know, and it very well could have been that reason. And so at the time when she was driving, then if we're going from what Lyft says, she wasn't even able to to use Lyft or to pick up rides through Lyft any longer. Okay. And so that would have even furthered the reason why she would not have used Lyft right. because she couldn't. Right. Um, so you so, take
1: so you take a situation where somebody is using you know an app to track who they're picking up, a location they're picking them up from uh, you know you have all you know you have some details about who you're picking up and the dri- and the, and the driver has details too and you're taking that situation and you're completely eliminating all the digital information that could track a person uh, know what's going on on both sides like I said on the driver's side, and on the you know the person that that's receiving the ride, you're you're taking out all of that information and you're eliminating it. And like I said, that's why this is one of the first things that I wanted to mention because at the end of the day, is which I and, and I say that a lot. I say at the end of the day a lot. Sorry guys. Uh, at the end of the day, that could have been she could have been picking up anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, and it 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 didn't just have to be. You know, the person, you know, the one person that, you know, we you happen to mention in the story, which is Brandon Francisco. So, yeah, that's the thing about this
0: case, because... Even though we don't have all of those details, we don't have the digital print from the app, we still know the movements of her car, and we know that Brandon Francisco was the last person known to have been seen with her. So... That's kind of the luck, I guess, in in this case that the police and investigators got really early on, is that they were able to narrow in on a person of interest. The problem is, is that almost a year later, Brandon Francisco remains a person of interest and there has been no public movement, at least, that we could tell about this case. Ella is still missing. We don't even know what Brandon Francisco has said. And there are so many details, even about the day that she went missing, that police have just not revealed. They have not released that information. So... I can imagine how frustrating that is for Ella's family because me, as somebody who is not even connected to this case, just trying to tell this story, trying to find that information was so difficult. And you would think in a missing person case, we're not talking about a homicide because sometimes they do keep things closer to the vest in homicide investigations but when you're dealing with a missing person time is critical information is critical so why police and then once the FBI got involved which was really 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 early on why they wouldn't in release this information is you know one of the biggest questions for me in this case honestly
1: so yeah as you mentioned in the, um, in the episode, Brandon Francisco pleaded guilty in 2018 to a second-degree murder case. He's serving 30 years in prison uh, without the benefit of parole, no probation. It's going to be no suspension of his sentence. So I would think that even in this situation, even if he was a suspect, that would make it harder um for them to even talk to him about situations surrounding this case because um even if you know he he may have had something to do with it or knows more why would you know why would he say you know you know what i'm saying why would he say anything because he's already in year, in prison for 30 years so that it doesn't give him really um any any incentive to talk about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I do. But the problem for me... <clears throat> the problem for me is that they already talked to Brandon Francisco, according to the police. They they already talked to him. So when he was arrested for uh, the, the warrant that he was wanted on, according to police, they did speak to him about... Uh, about Ella's disappearance. The problem is we don't know what Brandon Francisco said. We don't know what defense he's given. Has he said, well, I don't know what happened to Ella or she dropped me off in Houston and I never saw her again. We don't even know if he said that much. And so, yeah, so now that he's in prison, yeah, it might be more difficult to speak to him. They, you know... Don't have a, he doesn't have an incentive really, but he did plead guilty to these other charges. And the only reason why he was is because he was offered a plea deal. And so they're there. So we do know that much about Braden Francisco that he's willing to plead guilty if you're willing to give him something. And so maybe they could offer him something and that would make him talk. You know, you serve in 30 years in jail they could give you something they could incentivize him the it makes me think about the case um that we did of crystal taylor and the guy was sitting in jail for a murder that he pled guilty to that he had admitted out of the blue oh i shot this fellow rival, rival gang member or whatever and then they went and seen him in prison all those years later and he finally decided to tell the truth once they started offering him stuff and so yeah In your mind, you're like, well, he's already in jail. What could it be? But the honest reality is, is that, number one, we don't know what conversations police have had with him. We don't know what he has told police. And we don't know if there has even been any efforts made to go and speak to him. I saw something, I saw an article, and then I could not find it again. Um, And I couldn't find it mentioned anywhere else, but uh, that... a a local news station had reached out to his attorney, uh, his public defender that was representing him on these other charges to ask about Ella's disappearance. And the attorney said that as far as, you know, her client hadn't been asked about this disappearance. And so, you know, that's the other thing. We don't even know if the police have made an effort to go back and speak to Brendan. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying they have it. I'm just saying we don't know. And that's, you know,
1: adds to the gaps in the story. Okay, so we've already gotten into the um, second part of this, which is uh, the most shocking and interesting things about the case. So we'll go to some of the other things that are, you know, on the on the list. So, so let's talk about what, what else you think is shocking and interesting about this particular case.
0: So, yeah. So, when we talk about, like, some of the things that stand out to me about this case. So, obviously, we talked about the gaps in this story, the the lack of a timeline, the lack of information that police are putting out. But one of the biggest questions or one of the biggest things that kind of stand out is the fact that Brandon Francisco was scheduled to be in court on these charges that he's now serving 30 years for on March the 9th. But that happens to be the same day that he's asking Ella to drive him to Houston. So my assumption, or I guess you can kind of look at the obvious thing and like, was he trying to flee and and he was using Ella to flee? Was that part of this dynamic? Obviously, we can assume that he knew he had court, but him asking Ella to then drive him three hours away to Texas, does that's not a coincidence. I wow. think that, yeah, I think that was pretty <laughs> calculated. So now we're, you know, there's a premeditated kind of aspect of the situation because the facts are that Brandon Francisco knew that he was supposed to be in court on these charges, but instead Ella is driving him to Texas. We don't know why. We don't know like i said because there's so many things there's so many gaps in the story we don't know how this you know came up about but yeah yeah okay yeah
1: that's yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good <laughs> that's a good one
0: it's a it's it's a part wow. of the story that just it stuck out to me once i learned that he had court or was scheduled to be in court on that day, and that's what initiated the the bench warrant that he was arrested on. Because obviously he was out and you know on bond or bail or whatever, waiting awaiting trial. But the day that he's supposed to be at trial, he decides that he's going to go to Texas and he's going to use Ella to do that. So yeah, so that's just that just adds a adds a, another element of. I can't say motive, but it adds to maybe a potential motive. Maybe it, you know, the overall kind of reason why this, you know, tragedy or this unfortunate situation has taken place. I, I don't know, but I, yeah, that that stuck out to me big time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay.
1: um, Two more.
0: So. Going along, you know, we're keeping with the Brandon Francisco theme because he is the person of interest. He's the only person of interest. Police have never given a theory or an alternate suspect or person of interest or anything. So we know that Brandon Francisco was scheduled to be in court. We know that he was the last person to see Ella, according to police, according to her family. But even more interestingly enough, once Brandon Francisco is arrested, because, like I said, he has this bench warrant for not showing up to court, he's arrested in a place called St. Joseph, Missouri. And it's 12, 13 hours away from Louisiana. A few days after he's arrested, Ella's car is found in St. Joseph, Missouri. Now, that cannot be a coincidence that's just St. joseph missouri like i'm not from that area and i'm not gonna throw no shade on saint joseph missouri but that seems like a very small place it seems like like random to me yeah, why and, like what well, like, like why are you yeah why, why are, are you there there why <laughs> is her car there why are you there and i've never seen anything about any reason why ella would be in saint joseph any connection to of, of, for, for her to St. Joseph, the only connection we have is that the last person known to have been seen with Ella was arrested in St. Joseph. So that is a significant part of the story. And so for me, the car being found in the same place where Brandon was arrested adds to the whole notion or whole the whole reason why he is the person of interest. The, the fact that all of these things kind of come together yet police have never elevated him to a suspect is part of why we have so many questions is because you seem to have so much to... The point in a direction. A lot of times in these missing person cases, we don't have this much. We don't know who was the last person to be seen with them. We don't know their movements. We can't, we can't identify where where their, you know, cell phone was last tracked or where their car was. We don't have anything. But in this particular case, we have all of those things, including the person of interest. And yet, almost a year later, there's no Ella and there's no charges. So
1: yeah wow yeah and I, and I and like I said before I think that you know the biggest thing is that those charges may or may not be coming just because he's already doing 30 years yeah and you know sometimes they're like you know you should be happy he's behind bars you know how you know how that goes exactly and I you know they'll find, I... they'll, find they'll find something to, to get to, to put you down for. And yeah, I
0: mean, I, I will never say never about a case. I mean, I think there's always the possibility that the person will admit what they did. they Or they will find the evidence that they need in order to prosecute someone. The, the problem, like I said, in this case is that we don't know what police have. So I'm just talking as someone who's just, like I said, just using what i can find i don't know what they know i don't know how close they are i do believe that it would be helpful if they told the public if they revealed that information because that kind of leads me into my next thing about this case which is that if the police have gone as far and we know this from the episode they've gone as far as not only this is no longer a missing person case The police have now said that Ella's case is a homicide. So now we've gotten enough evidence, at least police have gotten enough evidence, to determine that Ella is not just missing, but Ella has potentially been murdered. Yet we don't know why they feel that way or why they have drawn that conclusion. That seems like a giant leap to take from Ella is missing... We need to find her car. We know who the last person that, you know, she, she was with. But from going from that to then leaping into this is now a homicide, while simultaneously not revealing any information about this case is something that is very strange to me. Because like I said, normally in a case like this, when you're getting such little information from the police, they either don't have a suspect or they do have a suspect or a person of interest that they don't want to name because they feel like that will jeopardize the case. But we know that Brandon Francisco is the person of interest, the only person of interest. We know that he was the last person with Ella. We know that the police are now investigating this as a homicide. But we don't know Why? We don't know what Brandon has said. We don't know. You know, one of the things that they said was that uh, witnesses, part of when they released their press release about determining that this was now a homicide, they said that witnesses had come forward or they had spoken to witnesses as part of their investigation. And that's how they have drawn this conclusion. Well, what witnesses and what did they say? Did, did, has anybody said where Ella is? That that's because because that's the biggest question. That's the one and only question her family once answered. They know who the last person she was with. They know where her car traveled to and from. They know all of those things. What they don't know is where Ella is. That's the biggest question and the the the
1: really only an important unanswered question. Okay, so let's get into my questions. Uh, first question: When did Ella's cell phone get turned off? And um, did the police trace the movements of the cell phone?
0: So, yeah, as far as we know, we don't know. That's part of the problem with this case. We know that the police have said that her phone last pinged in Iowa. Louisiana. Iowa is spelled like Iowa. It's I-O-W-A, but it's pronounced Iowa. And that's where her phone last pinged. But we don't know what time. Once again, there's no real timeline. There's no timeline from the police. You know, her phone was cut off at 3.45 p.m. or 11.45 11.45 a.m. None of that information exists. All we know is that it last pinged in Iowa. In terms of tracing its movements, which if they know where it last pinged, then you would assume that possibly they know where it pinged before that or have traced the movements on the phone. If they have, police have not released that information about where her phone traveled. We know how where her, where her car traveled, but we don't know if Ella was in the car while it was traveling. We know that she left her home and Scott went to to go to Houston. But in terms of the cars movement from Houston back to Louisiana and then to Dallas, we don't know if there's any indication that Ella was in the car at that time. And whether police have traced
1: her phone is completely unknown. We have no idea. Okay. All right, my second question where is the reward money? Did they put up? Did anybody put up any money for a reward to find her? Did anybody put any bread up? I haven't seen anything about a reward
0: for Ella. I know that there was an article where uh, a local activist group was talking about kind of the lack of attention that Ella's case was getting and how if Ella had been white, that her case would have been treated differently. And there was a young woman who had gone missing around the same time that Ella had gone missing And the FBI was also involved in this case. And they were offering a $10,000 reward for information about this white woman, this young white woman, but no reward for Ella. So as far as I could tell, there was no reward offered for any information about Ella. So, yeah, that's another thing about this case that's like, you know... Why didn't why isn't why isn't there a reward for information? And if police don't feel like they need to put out a reward for information, then why is that? It goes back to the question about, well, what do they know? How much do they know that they don't need to press the public with any urgency to get more information? That's the other thing that's like weird about this case. Like, where's the urgency to find out? the information that you're missing because clearly you're missing something and that's why you've been unable to charge anybody. So what is it that you're missing? What is it that you're looking for? Besides Ella, what are you looking for that would give you the information or the evidence that you need to charge the person who's responsible for whatever has happened to Ella?
1: Good good answer. All right, my third question is why is a of course you know i got i have the two part questions why is there no solid concrete timeline and what time was ella's
0: car seen so yeah we don't know i don't know why there is no solid timeline i i've seen so many cases of people that have gone missing and it's like They give you a timeline. 4.56 a.m., her car was seen leaving, you know, such and such and so and so. At 12.55 p.m., surveillance footage captures the car driving down the street. You usually get these type of things, especially when you're talking about seeing surveillance footage that also has never been released. But there is no official timeline. Any timeline that kind of exists about this case exists within, like, the reporting of the case from local news. They've pieced together timelines of what they know. But police have never said what time uh, Ella was last seen, what time her car was a certain place. So there is no timeline. Uh, We don't know what time her car was last seen by any person. We know what time it was last... We don't... Actually, I'm sorry. We don't know what time it was last seen even on surveillance. We know that there's a time gap of 12 hours between the first time the car is seen on surveillance and the second time the car is seen on surveillance. And then the third time it's seen is the following day no timeline in that situation about what time it's seen. Like I mentioned in the episode, she's calls her brother from a gas station around noon. That's pretty much the only timeline that we had. That's the, that's the only time that we had, that at 12 noon, Ella was alive and well because she spoke to her brother. After that, we have no idea
1: at all. Well, yeah, that's that's amazing information. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all of, all of my questions that I could just draw out from the episode. Some of the other questions that I had, you kind of answered earlier in our conversation, but, um, um, this, this was good, man. It just, you know, opened up some, you know, some other thoughts that I know that you always have, um, some other information that you always have and, you know, don't always share when you're writing. And, um, so, thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we have a case here with a missing person. It has to be, you know, we have to remember that this is a case that is really very new. Ella has been missing for less than a year. So, whatever it is that happened to Ella, whatever police know about what happened to Ella, you know, we we don't know. And it's so, it's important to keep... Telling her story, it's important to keep sharing her story. I wish that I would have gotten a hold of Ella's story earlier. You know, it found out about a month ago. I just recently found out about it. But Ella needs to be found. At the end of the day, you look at pictures of Ella, and she looks so young. But she's has two children. She has two daughters that are teenagers. You know, she has she's, she has a life. She has people that care about her. She has a family, and so. It's important to tell Ella's story. We don't know what happened to her. We cannot rule out any possibility that Ella could still be found alive. We we don't know. So many times, these cases, you count out what's going to happen, and I will never say never. I don't know what happened to Ella, but I know that her family and her children, uh, and most importantly, deserve answers. They deserve to know what happened to Ella. So... I hope that you guys listen to this story. I hope that, you know, if you're from that area, you look into this case, you look at Ella's picture, Uh, if you have any information or know anything, that you can share it with police, with her family, anybody out there, because Ella needs to be brought home. And that's just kind of, you know the, the point of, of telling this story. And I hope that her family can get more help from, from the FBI. I hope that they can really get that help that they deserve because, you know, Ella deserves better. Ella deserves more. And so does her family. So yeah, so um, I want to thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Afterthoughts. We're gonna be back next week with another episode. Uh, we're gonna continue to tell these stories. We'll have a brand new Black Girl Gone on Monday, and then of course back on Thursday with Afterthoughts. Uh, so we're just gonna continue to tell these stories and and bring attention to these women. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, Jason. I appreciate all your questions today.
1: Oh, I just, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just a nerd trying to fit in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, pre- I, pre- I appreciate you joining on this show. And I hope you guys um, listen to the episode. And, um, you know, if you haven't, you know, make sure you listen to, 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 to Ella's episode. So listen to her story.
1: Peace.
0: All right. Thank you.